And today, I want to talk to you about how to have faith to follow God wherever the journey takes you. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was aged four, I uh, was convinced that I was going to be a ballerina and that I was going to marry Robbie Williams. Uh, He was from Stoke-on-Trent, which is just down the road from where we grew up, and so it was just a perfect plan in my mind. Um, Unfortunately, I never had a single ballet lesson in my life, and Robbie turned out to be a bit of a troubled soul, and so I had to leave that dream uh, behind me quite quickly. As I got older, um, I never, I guess, had like another sort of really specific vision for what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be at a certain point in my life. Like I had dreams and ideas, you know, that I'd want to be in a job, which I enjoyed. I was thinking about going into international development. Uh, I wanted to be, uh, you know, married or have my own house, you know, good friends around me, all of those things which we think uh, we're going to have in our lives often or which we think um, have hopes for in the future. But after university, like not really knowing what I wanted to do, I just applied for any and every job which was going uh, my way. And I just ended up taking the first one, which I got offered, which ended up being in like a local government organization, which was very random. Um, so I stayed there a few months and then I got a job um, in the civil service, which actually suited me really well. And I worked there for sort of nearly three years in the end. It was stretching and varied and offered career progression. But the one thing about it, uh, the one problem for me was that it was in London still. And, you know, I'd never really planned on staying in London sort of that long after going to university here. My family are all from the Midlands or further north. And so I'd always imagined that I'd move back that way um, to be a bit closer to them. And so after a couple of years or so, I was thinking whether or not I should apply for like a transfer to another um, department in the civil service further north to another city, um, starting to sort of make plans in that direction when kind of quite unexpectedly, I sort of had a sense of God calling me to give up my job totally and to come and intern here at St. Mark's for a year. Now, six years later, I am still here. And do you, I don't know if you ever have those moments where you sort of, you take stock of your life, you sort of stop, you have a chance. Now, I've just been on holiday and one of those times where you have a chance to pause, to stop, to reflect, take stock on your life, um, look around at how you're doing, where you are. And like, don't get me wrong, it's great. But do you ever have those moments where you think, this is not where I expected to be in my life right now? I didn't grow up in the Church of England, and now I find myself like, in this process where I'm actually exploring whether or not to become ordained in the Church of England like for the rest of my life. Um, I'm still living in London, and I'm still not married to Robbie Williams or anyone else. Um, what do you do when the road that you're on doesn't sort of go, doesn't seem to be leading where you're expecting it to, when um, your journey takes an unexpected turn? Well, our lives are often described as a journey with like crossroads and detours, um, sort of long open stretches where we can accelerate, but also sort of bumps in the road along the way. And the same can be said for our faith as well as we follow Jesus. And in our passage to, for today, which is really timely as we're heading towards Easter in a couple of weeks' time, you can feel this sort of significant gear shift happening as we read it, just before this conversation which Eddie read to us. Earlier in chapter 16, Peter, the um, disciple, has this incredible moment where he says to Jesus, he identifies him as the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells Peter that he is going to be the one on whom he builds, the rock on which he builds his church, and that the gates of death won't be able to overcome it. And it's this amazing moment 
But now suddenly, like, the brakes are on. There's a sort of a sharp turn of the steering wheel as we sort of go around a hidden bend in the road as Jesus starts talking about his mission as one which will actually involve suffering and rejection. As he explains that actually he must die and be raised to life for God's purposes to be fulfilled. When you hit a bump in the road, in your life or in your faith, when it feels unsettling or unexpected, what do you do and how do you respond in that moment? Well, I want to invite us today to do a spiritual MOT, not just because I've just bought my first ever car, a little Citroen C1 from 2011. Um, You know, I was talking to someone the other day who I was telling them all about this new car, and then they told me that they just bought a Tesla, and I was like, well... That's very impressive. Um, but just like if you have a car, you need to sort of do regular, have regular checkpoints where you see how it's running, see what needs a bit of care and attention. We need to do that at regular points in our own lives as well, don't we? You take stock of how you really are, how your relationship with God is as well, and how much fuel there is in the tank, whether it needs topping up at all. And so I've got three questions to ask you uh, today, three questions as part of our spiritual MOT uh, to reflect on for the journey of faith. And the first question is, where are you going? Where are you going? What direction are you heading in? What's your destination? Jesus knew that that he must go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter, being Peter, you know, he says what he thinks. He's like, surely not, Lord. That doesn't sound like the right kind of road for like the son of the living God. And this isn't actually what he signed up for either in like saying that he'd follow him and be his disciple. And it's a very natural, it's a very human reaction to shy away from suffering and to react like Peter did in that moment, I think to want to protect others from suffering as well. But Jesus' like, extreme reaction to Peter here, like, get behind me, Satan. Like, oh, I don't know about you, but can you imagine Jesus saying to you, that to you, like how that would feel? Uh, just sort of, I think we feel it deeply when we hear those words. But it shows us how easy it is to put our own ideas, our own perspectives, our own expectations for our lives above God's. And it shows us how dangerous that can be too. Because Jesus knows that the road he is on isn't going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be enjoyable all of the time. And yet that's so often like the framework uh, for how we make decisions in our lives, isn't it? We, We think like, will this make me happy? What will this cost me? Is it worth it? When I had that sense of God calling me to leave my job, um, to come an intern here at St. Mark's, it took me about six months of like grappling with that, of, of grappling with the implications, what that would mean for my life before I was finally able to take that step of faith into the unknown. I mean, what would it mean financially for me? Would I be able to afford it? Would I have to move out of the flat where I was living with friends? What would it mean for my career prospects? Would it look like the weirdest blip on my CV ever? Would I ever get a job again in the future? And it's so easy to look for fulfillment in our jobs or in our finances or our relationships or in the way which we look or uh, the followers we have on Instagram. Whatever it is for you, it's easy to find fulfillment in those places, isn't it? But Jesus says, what good will it be for you to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. 
yet forfeit your soul. Your soul, your inner being, the real you when everything else is stripped away. It's not that we can't have any of these other things or find enjoyment in them at all, but it's just that they are temporary. And when we ruthlessly go after them and find our purpose and identity in them, we forfeit the very person that God has made us to be and the life which he longs for us to have. Life in all of its fullness, when our purpose and identity are found in him, sons and daughters of the heavenly king, created to enjoy and to delight in him forever. Because our souls are eternal. Jesus knew that the road he was on would require him to experience pain before glory, death before life, the cross before the crown. Because he was headed to Jerusalem, and you know the name Jerusalem in Hebrew literally means foundation of peace. And Jesus was headed to Jerusalem to win peace for us with God. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, we don't always know which way the road is going to go, but we know the destination that has been secured for us through Jesus. And the temporary things of this world, you know, the good things as well as the more difficult things, will ultimately pass away in light of the eternal life that we're heading towards. Where are you going? Do you need to remind yourself of the destination or even to change course if you're drifting off in the wrong direction? Secondly, what are you carrying? What are you carrying? There's a wonderful invitation from Jesus earlier in uh, Matthew's gospel where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when we're carrying like the weight of the world, when we're carrying, uh, feeling weighed down by our weaknesses or by our failures, our insecurities, um, heavy with shame, Jesus meets us in that place and he offers to lift those burdens from our shoulders. And it might be that that's what actually he wants to do for you here tonight. And we'd love to pray for you afterwards. But, but Jesus also says you know, in this passage which we're reading that whoever wants to be his disciple must take up their cross just as he was going to do when he reached Jerusalem. The cross was an instrument of, um, of execution reserved for Rome's worst enemies at that time. And so to take up one's cross, uh, when people said that, they were talking about the practice of forcing a condemned criminal to carry the literal cross beam to, their, um, to the site of execution where they were going towards. And it was a show of complete and utter submission to the Roman authorities who were sort of crucifying them. And so when we take up our crosses, you know, we're not only saying that we are identifying with Jesus, that we're willing to be associated with him, like however unpopular it looks, however hard it is, you know, however foolish it looks to the world around us, we're willing to be associated with Jesus in carrying our cross. But we're also saying in that act that we are as submitted to Jesus Christ as those condemned criminals were to their deaths. 
We're submitted to Christ. Taking up your cross isn't just like an occasional thing that you do sort of at certain points in your life when it's particularly hard and trials, uh, you know, difficult times. Uh, that's, that's not just sort of what it means to take up your cross, but it's a way of life that Jesus invites us to live. It's an attitude of surrender that we can carry through both the highs and the lows of life, you know, through the battles and the blessings of the journey which we go on. It requires self-examination, you know, like sort of knowing ourselves, uh, listening to our emotions, examining our hearts, like the real us, our souls. How is your soul doing? Studying our motives and uh, desires in our decision-making and then choosing to surrender all of that to God. Choosing to say to him, you know, Lord, you're in control. Have your way. You, whatever happens, have your way in my life. Which... Self-examination sounds pretty intense, doesn't it? I know. I mean, have you seen the passage that I've got? In my defense, it was going to get intense uh, for a bit. Um, how, how do you even do that in practice? What does that look like for us today to think, oh, I'm going to sort of do some self-examination. I'm going to surrender uh, my, my life to, to God in, um, you know, in what I'm doing this week. I'm going to take up my cross and carry it this week. Well, I'm quite a reflective person, so I actually love this sort of thing. When someone says self-examination, I'll be like, great, um, give me a chance to reflect and I'll do it. I have um, Fridays off from work, and so I would often uh, take some time on a Friday morning to have a slow morning, have a bit of a lion, make a nice big cafetiere of coffee, um, spend some time praying, spend some time reading my Bible, and spend time sort of reflecting on the week that's just passed. And one of the things that I find really helpful when I'm thinking about doing this sort of thing, um, is having a bit of a framework for reflection, you know, something to sort of structure that sort of time. Otherwise, my mind will just go off in all you know, 10 different directions, thinking about like lunch, dinner, sort of holidays in the summer, Christmas next year. Like just my life sort of gets planned ahead of me before I know it. So having a framework for reflection can be really helpful. I sometimes use this thing called the examine, which um, kind of is what it says. But it was created by St. Ignatius in the 1500s, so it's kind of stood the test of time. And it's just five simple steps for reflection, um, which can fill as much or as little time as you have. And so for me, that might look um, a little bit like, first of all, first of all, inviting God to be present in that moment and asking for his perspective instead of my own in what I'm reflecting on. Second, giving thanks so giving thanks for the week, practicing gratitude, um, coming to God with that sort of thankful heart. Third, reviewing the highs and the lows of the week, what's gone well, what's not, where, where did I sort of uh, react well, where did I not react well, and why might that have been the case? Where was God in those moments? Uh, did he seem present? Did he seem absent? Um, noticing what has gone on in that week, the highs and the lows in particular. Fourth, face my shortcomings. You know, once you've identified sort of those, those, those events which have happened during the week, um, just really digging down into them and, and noticing uh, my shortcomings in that. What, why did I react the way that I did in that, in that conversation which I had with that person? Why did, um, why did I clearly choose my own way instead of what I know God would have, might have wanted me to do in that conversation? Where did I put my own way above God's? And fifth and finally, uh, looking ahead towards the next week. You know, taking that opportunity to ask God for his help again, uh, to ask for his spirit, to fill me again for the week to come, ask for his help to surrender again, particularly those areas which I've identified that I've struggled with that week, surrendering them to him, saying, Lord, have your way uh, in this week to come in those areas. 
So that's what it looks like for me. It could look totally different for you. It, you might do that with other people. You might do it on your own. Uh, you might do it in like a half hour in a full holiday. Like it depends on who you are, but find something that works for you. Find a time that works for you, a place that works for you to reflect on your relationship with God, on, um, on how you're doing and sort of where God is inviting you to surrender or to sort of give different parts of your life to him. Reflect on what you're carrying along the road and develop that attitude of surrender. Where are you going? What are you carrying? And thirdly, who are you following? Who are you following? The invitation here isn't to follow a set of rules or a religion, but it's to follow a person. Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Take up your cross and follow me. The message translation puts it as Jesus saying, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself your true self. Who is in the driver's seat of your car? You know, are you steering or are you letting Jesus lead you? When I was taking my driving test, first time around, it took several attempts. Let me tell you why. Uh, But at one point in the driving test, I got stuck behind this quite slow moped on a 60 mile an hour road. And so I started panicking because I was thinking the examiner was going to fail me for like, not overtaking him and because there was this tail of traffic behind me, like the queue was building up. Um, so I was there thinking, right, I'm going to go for it. Uh, so indicator on, pull out onto the other side of the road. And it's, like, it's, it's all going fine apart from then we suddenly start going up this gradual incline along this road. And I cannot get my revs up enough to like, overtake this car, this moped. And so I'm sort of there on the wrong side of the road, like, moped next to me. Uh, and then suddenly in the distance, as I look, there's this like, oncoming lorry approaching. And I'm thinking, like, I'm surely going to make it. Come on, come on, like, instructors, it'll be fine. Until, like, a split second later, I feel the, the, the um, you know, the grip of the wheel. The examiner has, like, reached over, grabbed the wheel, pulled us back in, put the, his brakes on, you know, the second set of brakes, which are on those cars for moments like this. And he has pulled us back onto the left-hand side of the road behind the moped. I mean, that was just the first of three majors in that driving test. (laughs) But it got me thinking as I was thinking about this message today, like how often do I live my life like that as well? Um, And how often do I sort of think that I am in control of my life and that I am driving and it is all going well and it's all going fine until there's a moment when I make uh, a reckless decision, a stupid mistake, and I need someone to come and save me and to pull me back over. But then once I'm back over, how quickly do I take the driving, the steering wheel again? And how quickly do I put myself in control of my life again? But actually, it's much safer. It's much more enjoyable. And I would love to say, I think you can go far faster when Jesus is in the driving seat of your life as well. Eugene Peterson, the American pastor, author and theologian, said that faith is long obedience in the same direction. And as we daily choose 
to say yes to following Jesus, to being led by the Holy Spirit in our conversations, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our decisions that we have to make. As we daily say yes to him, we are taken on the greatest journey we could ever imagine. You know, and sometimes like, big forks in the road will show up. And sometimes God will call us to new places and to new spaces. Sometimes he'll give us like, a real burden for a person or an issue, which it requires like a big step of faith to like, step into the unknown and to respond to. But far more significant and important is the daily decision to say yes to letting Jesus lead us is the long obedience in the same direction, day after day, a life which points people to Jesus, which like, proclaims his cross and resurrection in our lives to the world around us, which says this is what Jesus has done for me and this is what he can do for you as well. And when you take a moment every so often to take stock and to look around you and you think this is not where I expected to be, right now. That's when you can fix your eyes on the one that you're following and that you can remember that he is 100% good and totally trustworthy because he has walked this road before us all the way to the cross conquering death so that we could have eternal life with him. That's why we can have faith to follow because the one that we're following is totally trustworthy. Amen.